We're going to continue today in John chapter 10, and we're going to pick up in verse 19, go all the way to verse 30, where we'll hear one of Jesus's amazing claims about himself. Uh, We're picking up right after the verses you just saw on the screen. So Jesus has said to the religious leaders, hey, you're you're looking at the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I'm going to lay down my life for my sheep. I'm going to raise up again. There are some that aren't in my flock, and I must gather them. I must bring them in. Now, how do you think that played out with the religious leaders? You think they received that well? Let's watch. Okay. Verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews. I was very surprised myself. (laughs) Because of these words, the words that you just saw on the screen, many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, it's not like we have one side saying he's, he's not God and one side saying maybe he is. Both sides are not looking at Jesus as God. They're not looking at Jesus' deity, his godness. They're still looking at him as a man, and these are the guys that are waiting for the Messiah to come. So, so half of them are saying he's a crazy man, and the other half is saying, I don't know about that. Crazy don't heal the blind. So that's kind of where they are right now. Now, the next verse is going to happen about three months later. We know that just because of what's in these verses. So let's fast forward. At the time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. That's how we know it was a few months later. And Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense. If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. A lot going on here. So they're at the temple. There's no place holier. This is where the people would come to be in the presence of God. Jesus is there, and it is the feast of dedication. Now, this is another one of the Jewish feasts. It's not on par with the Feast of Tabernacles that we've already talked about. It's not on par, certainly, with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is the Passover, which is coming up in just a few months at the end of Jesus' life, Passion Week, Passover's coming up. This is a festival that is a celebration to commemorate the deliverance of the Jewish people from the oppression of the Syrian army and the rededication of the temple This happened 198 years before this moment. So 164 BC, what had happened was there was an evil king. Isn't there always an evil king? Always. Doesn't matter whether it's the Bible or Disney. There's always an evil king. And and his name was Antiochus Epiphanes. And he was really, really bad. He uh, slaughtered 80,000 Jewish people. He sold another 80,000 into slavery. He crucified women, put women on crosses, some holding their children. He desecrated the temples. He made the temple a a brothel. He brought prostitutes uh, into the temple. He slaughtered a pig on the altar, which obviously would have been against the Uh, the laws of uh, the Jewish people in the Old Testament. He took the blood 
of the pig and he smeared it on the scriptures, on the Torah. He dedicated the temple to the Greek god Zeus. There are many other evil things he did. He was a bad man. We would know just from what we've already learned in John chapter 10, he, he would be described as a bad shepherd as opposed to a good shepherd. Now, if in that description of Antiochus Epiphanes, you were thinking Putin, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good analogy. Antiochus Epiphanes was a war criminal. But wait, there's a guy named Judah Maccabee. And Judah Maccabee came along and he had some brothers and they formed a band of, of Jewish freedom fighters to go up against the evil king, and the Syrian army. And they won. They, they beat the Syrian army. So, so if you're thinking Judah Maccabee and you're relating him maybe to the president of Ukraine, Zelensky, that's a very good analogy that gives you a picture of what was going on there. So they defeated the Syrian army. The Maccabees became so famous that to this day in Israel, every four years, there's an Olympic-type competition. It's called the Maccabea Games. Jewish athletes from around the world come to Israel to compete in the Maccabea Games. So the Maccabees are getting back to cleaning up the temple after they had defeated the army, and, and they found a, a, a lamp. And the lamp had some undesecrated oil in it. Now, it's very important to know that in synagogues, in temples, there is an everlasting light. And it's supposed to be lit all the time. To this day, there's an everlasting light in every synagogue. It's above the altar. It's above the scriptures. Well, they found this lamp, but there was only enough oil in the lamp to last one night. But they lit it anyway. And as if the deliverance from the Syrian army wasn't a miracle enough, miracle of miracles, the oil in the lamp lasted eight days and eight nights. See where this is going? The Feast of Dedication we would know as Hanukkah. Very good, excellent. We would know it as Hanukkah. And we celebrate Hanukkah by lighting candles. Now that, that candelabra is called a menorah. You're gonna get a lot here and it's gonna, it's gonna come full circle. The, the candelabra is called a menorah. There are eight candles representing the eight nights. And then there's another candle that lights all the other candles. Following so far? Okay. That candle that lights the other candles, that brings the other candles out of darkness, is called the shamus. Shamus is Hebrew for, wait for it, servant. Servant. It's the servant candle that lights the other candles. The servant light candle brings the other candles out of darkness. So here you have Jesus walking in the colonnade. He's the light of the world. He says he's the light of the world. John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. So the light of the world, the shamus, the servant candle of the world, who is coming to, to bring deliverance from the oppression of evil for all eternity and bring light out of the darkness, is walking where they are celebrating oppression, deliverance from evil temporarily while Jesus is getting ready to deliver them eternally. Pretty wild. 
Pretty wild, yeah, pretty wild stuff. Applaud for Jesus. Um, <laughs> so I, I just wanna make sure you got this picture. You've got the Maccabees who brought freedom from the Jew, for the Jews for a little while. Jesus came to bring freedom to the Jewish people for all eternity. And they missed it. Do you see that they're doing all of the religious things and they don't see Jesus standing right there? But before we rail against the religious leaders, I can't believe they don't see Jesus. He's right there. Don't we do the same thing? Don't we have our holidays, our Christmases, our Easter's? Easter's coming up. We, we're going we're gonna to have a big bash to celebrate the risen Savior. And it's gonna be awesome. We've got six gatherings here in Canton. We got three gatherings in Jasper. Hey, Jasper, how you doing? We've got gatherings online. We're gonna have a lot of preparation. It's gonna be wonderful. You're gonna prepare for things at home. You've got people coming to your house. You're making deviled eggs. Never enough deviled eggs, I might add. Always make extra deviled eggs. Maybe you're gonna bite the ears off a chocolate rabbit. I don't, I don't know what you're gonna do. I'm exhausted talking about preparation for Easter. So imagine how easy it is to miss Jesus in the religious things that we do. I wanna wake up on Easter Sunday and have three gatherings here and say, man, we just did six Easter gatherings and all these people encountered a risen Savior. I wanna encounter the risen Savior. I don't wanna miss Jesus in the preparation just because I work at a church, amen? Amen. So let's, let's commit not to miss Jesus in all of the religious things we do. That's a pretty wild story about Hanukkah, huh? If you didn't know that, maybe you learned a little more than you learned from Adam Sandler, okay? <laughs> We're not going to sing the song. Verse 24, so the Jews gathered around him. And that word gathered is important. It does mean to surround. It does mean to encircle but in sometimes it means to siege. So here in this colonnade, to give you a description, there's not a lot of room for Jesus to get out. They kind of have him trapped. They kind of, picture, picture bullies on a schoolyard. Now what else we don't see is probably these guys would have had their ammunition ready to go. They probably would have had stones in their pockets already. They would have gathered stones, put them in their pockets because inside the temple it would have been pristine. There wouldn't have been any stones to pick up in the perchance that Jesus blasphemes and says he's God. Oh no, they're ready. They're, they're here to egg him on. They're here to, they're here to coax him. But it's Jesus. There's no coaxing in Jesus. Jesus knows what he's going to say. He knows what he's going to do. So, so here, we have, here we have Jesus standing there. And these guys say, how long, this is continuing in verse 24, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So knowing they have the rocks, Listen to their tone. Their tone is, 
All right, Jesus, we're going to give you one last chance. Here you go. We're ready. We're ready to break out the stones. We're ready to do what it says in Leviticus, to stone anyone who claims that they are God. Come on, bring it on, Jesus. Are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the anointed one? Come on, let us have it. We're ready for you. Speak plainly. And plainly doesn't mean simply. Plainly means boldly. (laughs) So careful what you ask for, fellas, because Jesus is going to boldly speak. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. It's not the first time he's ever said he's God. The works or deeds that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. So Jesus isn't talking about one particular thing here. He's saying, look, I just told you. He's not saying I just told you because he knows if he, if he says, hey, hey, I'm God over and over again, that they wouldn't have believed him because they're waiting for a Messiah who's going to come as a conquering king. They're waiting for a Messiah who's going to come and deliver them from the oppression of the Roman Empire this time. They're not expecting a suffering Savior. So if he, if he said what was going to happen, they wouldn't have believed him anyway. Jesus is saying to them here, y'all need to take in my entire body of work. Look at what I have done in my Father's name. He's saying, celebrate my entire catalog. Anybody get that from office space? One person? Good. Okay. Sometimes I just do it for one. All right. So he's saying, remember everything I've done. And then he's probably rattling these things off. He's going, hey, remember that? Remember that wedding? (laughs) That was a pretty good wedding. We ran out of wine, but then there was some water, and then there was a whole lot of wine, and the wine was awesome. It was top shelf stuff. And then how about the guy who who hadn't walked in 37 years? He's not only walking now, he's dancing now. He's probably dancing at another wedding. He's probably doing the Cupid shuffle somewhere. And the 5,000, which which was actually about 20,000 people that Jesus fed with a Chick-fil-A number one, he said, that was me too. And, And don't get me started on the blind guy, the blind. He hadn't seen since birth, and now he can see. So I was, I was not only after his physical healing, I healed him spiritually. And wait till you see what I got going on next time. I'm going to raise a dude from the dead, which is coming up in a couple of weeks. He's saying, I have told you the things I do in my father's name. I bear witness. I testify about this. They testify to me and who I am. If Jesus were in a court of law, He'd be breaking out these things as exhibit A, B, C, D, E, and F. These are the things that were prophesied in the Old Testament that God would do. The lame would walk, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the dead will rise. Everything that I am doing was prophesied that God would do. These are my works. And I did not get something here until this week in the study for this message. 
This is Jesus being so incredibly merciful. I was reading something from John Piper, and he said, note that even though Jesus knows what's going to happen, he knows that their, stones, their pockets are filled with stones. He, he knows that he's going to go to the cross. He knows that he is opposed. They will oppose him violently. He still stops and says, consider my works. He's showing them mercy. He's saying, I know you can't hear my voice I know you're not in my flock. You're not my sheep. But as we read on the screen, I must bring in those who are not in the flock. There are others who are not in the flock. He's giving them this opportunity. That's how merciful a God we serve. And he's got that mercy for you. He had that mercy on you if you have already trusted in Jesus. And if you haven't trusted in Jesus, he is coming to you today with that mercy. He's saying, all I'm asking is he consider my works. It's the reason John wrote this book. Not John Piper, but John John. Um, and, and we've talked about this before. Uh, we started out this series on John a long time ago where we went to the end of John. John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31 where it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these ones, they are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. He is such a merciful God to show us all these things so we can see that he is God. And then Jesus says to him, after he's shown him this mercy, but hey, you do not believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So the shepherd, the good shepherd is saying, there are those who know my voice. You don't. He's drawing a line in the sand. He's saying, there are those who know my voice, who hear my voice, who obey my voice, who come running at my voice, who follow me, they trust in me. They don't trust that I exist. They trust in me. They are my sheep. And he's saying there are those that, that don't hear me, that don't know my voice, that can't obey me, that don't follow me, that don't trust in me. They are not in my flock. So maybe at this point, we just wanna ask, how do you know? How do you know you're one of a sheep? Has he changed your life? And is there evidence that he has changed your life? Did you have an encounter with the Messiah and your life has not changed? Let's put it this way. When you read his word, when you hear his voice, because this is his voice, when you read his voice, do you follow him? Do you obey him? When he says, love your neighbor, do you love your neighbor? Or do you say, I got things going on? When he says, be generous, are you generous or do you say, hey, that's my money? He's saying 
we can do religious things. He's saying we can do spiritual things. But if we don't trust him, if we don't hear his voice, we're not his. And he's doubling down here on these religious leaders. Because just two chapters earlier, he said this. If God were your father, you'd love me. For I've come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? He doesn't say it exasperating. It's rhetorical. Why is my language not clear to you? He says, because you're unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. Because there's only two paths. Only two kinds of people. We've talked about this before. Not good and bad people, but dead and alive people. And Jesus is the only one who can bring life. He's the only way to life. He came that we would have life and have it abundantly. Don't let that be a bumper sticker. Let that be encouragement that he came to bring us life and have life abundantly. And in verse 28, he confirms that, he expands on that, and gives us assurance of that. Verse 28, I give them eternal life. That's the title of today's message. Can't get any better than that. And they will never perish. And no one, not the devil, not even ourselves, will snatch them out of my hand. <laughs> Do I have to read that again? Let's read that again. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. If you're his sheep, he has given you eternal life. Okay. Okay, just wanna make sure you're with me here. All right. Time change still getting you? All right. Aren't you so glad you believe? Aren't you so glad that you hear his voice? Aren't you so glad that the savior of the world chose you. I am beyond belief every single day, and it brings me to tears thinking about, he saved me. Now, now this, isn't, this isn't when we look down on those who, who don't know him, who don't believe, because he says he wants everyone in the flock he wants to bring them in. He must bring them in. But it's our, it's our opportunity to say we are so thankful that we can hear his voice. Because there are a lot of other voices out there. You hear them. Your kids definitely hear them on social media. And there, there, are, there are times where I, I hesitate on bringing in a, a movie reference. Um, though sometimes it is just for one. Uh, but I think, I think in this case, I'm going to bring in a movie reference that points out some of the other voices, or at least one of the other voices that we could be listening to that's out there. Uh, but we have to come to an agreement, you and me, okay? All right. You're going to agree that you're not going to email the church tomorrow <laughs> and say, I can't believe Pastor David used that movie reference, okay? We good? We good? Okay. All right. Here we go. 
This is a movie uh, from about 40 years ago. It's a little gem called Caddyshack. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Okay. Okay, you're with me now. All right. So in Caddyshack, Bill Murray uh, plays a caddy, and he's talking to another caddy, and he's telling the story about how he caddied one time for the Dalai Lama himself. Twelfth <laughs> son of the Lama. Big hitter, the Lama. And at the, I know. <laughs> it's worth it. Um, at the end of the round, Bill Murray says the Dalai Lama wasn't going to pay him. Looks like the Dalai Lama's going to stiff him. So he says to the Lama, hey, Lama, how about a little something, you know, for the effort, you know. <laughs> and the Dalai Lama says, oh, there'll be no money. But on your deathbed, when you die, you'll have total consciousness. And Bill Murray says, so I got that going for me, <laughs> which is nice. Total consciousness. That's what, the, that's, that's what one of the other voices is saying. Total consciousness. I looked up total consciousness. I read three definitions of total consciousness. I went unconscious trying to understand what total consciousness means. I don't even think Buddhists know what total consciousness means. Apology to the Buddhist. Um, but, but what Jesus is offered, what the good shepherd is offering, is eternal life. And it's given to us by the one who claims he is God. He says he is God. He is God. And he's alive today. It's not offered by a guy who never claimed he was God and isn't alive today. And it doesn't just happen on our deathbed. Eternal life starts on the day we trust in Jesus. For me, it was September 26, 2006. And someday, I'm going to take my last breath here, and my next breath is going to be with my Savior, and I got that going for me. Which is nice. Total consciousness. Not a lot of things are that secure, are they? You may have a home security system. We've got one. Their names are Pickles and Pretzel. <laughs> Pickles is a three and a half pound chihuahua. Pretzel is a five and a half pound chihuahua. Do not come ring our doorbell. But that's about as secure as it gets. I mean, you think about things that we, we, we hold tightly to. Sometimes, sometimes your favorite baseball player will leave town. Oh, too soon? Okay, all right, that was too soon. Sometimes you can blow a 25-point lead in the Super Bowl. See how quickly you turned on me? <laughs> you love me during the Caddyshack reference. Trying to make a point here. There's not a lot of security in things. Gold medals. You know how many Olympic medals have been stripped in the last 50 years by athletes who crossed the finish line first? 152. So when you hear the announcer say, they'll always be an Olympic champion. No, they're not. <laughs> the Heisman Trophy was taken away from Reggie Bush. So when the announcers say, he'll always be a Heisman Trophy winner. No, he's not. There are very few things, if any, that bring us the kind of security that God brings us. As a matter of fact, let's just say there's nothing that brings us the security 
as when God adopts us into his family and calls us son or daughter, he cannot and he will not strip us of that title. That's right. That title is secure. That is so comforting, knowing that the one who rescued us and redeemed us and restored us is never going to let us go, knowing that we're still gonna sin. Now, it's not a license to sin. It's not a license to turn our back on Jesus. It's not a license to walk away from God and live an unrepentant life. That's not what this means. It just means we have that assurance that what he has started, he will bring to completion. That's what I love about the Gospel of John. I was so excited when Pastor Jason said we were gonna start the Gospel of John It's who we believe in, and every single verse builds on the next verse, or builds on the verse previous. Go back to John 3, 16. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Eternal. And that word give in John 10, 28, same word as in gave. In 3.16, different tense, it means to grant, to give willingly, without compulsion. He can't and he won't take it back. This is the assurance that we need, that I need, and it's up on the screen. God won't revoke what he has already redeemed. He won't revoke what he has already redeemed. It is a done deal. You are a done deal. I am a done deal. And because God's character never changes, he can't change his mind and take it back. Can't go back on his word. Coupled with the fact, did anybody here or in Jasper or gathered online, did you have anything to do with your salvation? No. The table of salvation is not a potluck. We're not coming with a crock pot looking for a place to plug it in. Jesus has done everything. This is our chance to say the finished work on the cross of Jesus Christ is enough. Nothing temporary about eternity. Doesn't that want to make you live differently? Don't you want to live differently in light of that? Not, hey, let's go sin. I'm saved. No, but hey, let's go live a life on mission. Let's go after this thing for Jesus. Let's follow Jesus. Let's make the decision today to not play church. I'm too old to play church. Guess what? I don't care how old you are. You're too old to play church too. It's not a game. You know, over the last couple of months, I've been asked a pretty serious question. What do, you, what do you think the biggest challenge is for the church coming out of the last two years? I think it's twofold. I think one challenge is that we don't go back to pre-COVID complacency about church. Eh, we'll show up 1.7 times a month. Eh, sometimes we'll give you know, maybe I won't share my faith. I don't want my neighbors to think I'm weird. And twofold, secondly, another, another fear, and I, and I say this out of, out of love for you, and I do love you, 
I say this out of love. A post-COVID apathy toward the church, fueled by two years of perhaps disengagement. I'm not saying everybody, but I think this is something that all of us have to weigh in our own hearts, that we don't go back to a pre-COVID complacency about church and have a post-COVID apathy toward church. It's a nice day today. And there may be people that, you know, they just got a truckload of mulch. <laughs> and, and you got to get it out there. I know. Or, or maybe, maybe it's the first day to get the boat ready. Y'all like going to the lake on Sundays in the summer? Yeah, it's great. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with sports. And you may have a lot of activities on weekends. That's why we have worked so hard for the last year and a half to have our Thursday night gatherings in Canton to give you an opportunity. If you didn't know we had Thursday night gatherings, we have them. It's the same gathering as the upcoming Sunday. And now we have Rev Kids. So you can bring your kids, you can come to church, you can hear the preach word of God, you can worship in song and still go to the lake on Sunday. Let's make an agreement today. We won't, we won't slip into complacency or have apathy. I quieted it down. I'm not even done with verse 28. <laughs> they will never perish. You know what that means? Be lost or condemned to death. So if no one will snatch them out of my hand, says Jesus, which is the continuation of verse 28, that means no one is going to take you by force out of his hand. The devil can't do it. Your friends can't do it. Your politics can't do it. Your belief system on other things can't do it. Nothing will snatch you out of Jesus's hand. So if you ever question, can I lose my salvation? There's your answer. There's your sign. The one who rescued you, the one who redeemed you, the one who has restored you, won't let you go. He won't let you go. That to me is so encouraging. You know, I heard one pastor say, the question isn't, can you lose your salvation? The question should be, can the almighty creator of the universe lose one of his kids? How do you know he won't? Look up at the cross. Look at what God did. He sent his only perfect, holy, righteous son and crushed him to redeem us. Do you really think he's gonna go say, you're on your own? If we could lose our salvation just because we sin, we'd all be lost. And I'd be right in line with you. I'd be first in line, actually. It's all on Jesus' power to hold on to us because that's what the Father told him to do. The Father said in John chapter six, don't let anyone snatch you from his hand. So what's our response to this? I think our response is, let's examine our lives. Are, are we living out of that? Do we have fruit in our lives? That's how you, that's how you know if something's dead or alive. Is there any fruit? 
we'll know by our fruit if we are in his flock. Did he change your life? Because if we're truly in the flock, when we sin, and we will, I almost sinned when you turned on me earlier. (laughs) When we sin, if we're in his flock, it'll be uncomfortable for us. We will be miserable in our sin. We will not only exhibit fruit, but when we sin, we'll be uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit will convict us. So how we respond to Jesus' voice shows whether or not we're one of his sheep. When you hear Jesus' voice, when you read his word, that's his voice, do you come running? Do you follow him? Do you obey him? Because if we don't hear his voice and we're comfortable in our sin and we're cool with turning our backs on God and living an unrepentant life, maybe, listen up, maybe we never were his sheep in the first place. And if I can flip this and make it more encouraging, maybe not yet. Oh, he's that merciful. Jesus is so merciful. He's saying, you may not be in the flock yet, but I must bring you in. And I hope you hear that today. I hope you hear the Lord say, I am God. Consider what I've done. Consider what I've said. And when you place your hope and trust in me, I will never leave you. I will never disappoint you. I will never unfriend you. I will never unfollow you. I won't cancel you. You have the assurance that you're in my grip. And let me encourage you, it is never too late. I have personal experience in that. It is never, ever too late. Now, if you're thinking, hey, I'm pretty sure I've trusted in Jesus. I'm pretty sure I'm a sheep. I'm pretty sure I'm in his flock. But if I were honest with you, Pastor David, I would say, I'm not seeing a lot of fruit in my life. Hey, you don't have to be saved again. But it's time to re-engage with Jesus. It's time to get serious about Jesus. It's time to follow Jesus. It's time to, to abide in Jesus, to connect with Jesus, to be with him, to sit and listen to his voice and read his word. Because your grip on him has no bearing on his grip on you. Our grip is weak. Would you agree to that? Our grip is weak. R.C. Sproul, I'm going to paraphrase this. He said, God doesn't throw us a life, what's it called? A life preserver? I've heard it both ways. (laughs) God doesn't throw us a life preserver, hoping that he'll rescue us. No, he dives down in the depths of the ocean and pulls up a corpse and breathes life into it. That's what he did. God is not fishing in a trout farm. This isn't catch and release. Here's another point on the board, or the screen. (laughs) Another point on the board. I'm playing a game show now. (laughs) Survey says! (laughs) God won't release what he's already rescued. He's rescued you. He will not release you. And I need that every single day because I don't know about you, but the devil shouts in my ear. And my wife said something 
on the radio a few years ago, and I just stopped, and I've never forgotten this. She said, David, don't you listen to the devil speaking louder to you than Jesus sings over you. And maybe you need to hear that today, because the devil will shout, but God won't release what he has already rescued. And then Jesus ups the game, as if his grip on us isn't enough. Verse 29, my father, who has given them, the sheep, us, to me, him, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Jesus is linking his power and authority with the power and authority that the father has given him. And he says, if God, my father, has given you to me, it has come from him. And if you think my grip is strong, check out his grip. Double, double assurance there. And then verse 30, this is what they've been waiting for. So they got, they got the stones in their pockets. They're ready to go. Come on, Jesus, say it. And Jesus says, I and the Father are one. He said it. No illusion, no parable here. He says he's God. So here's Jesus cornered in the temple. They've double dared him and he flat out says it. He is God. And he says, we're one, which is really important. And I don't have time to get into the etymology, the study of that word one, but suffice it to say, the Jewish people would have known that. They would have known the prayer from the Old Testament Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Echad. They would have heard the Echad of Jesus and his oneness with the Father. And that would have sent them into a rage. Jesus isn't saying they're the same person. He's saying that we work in unity together. He's describing to the religious leaders two-thirds of the Trinity here. The only time somebody in any religion claimed he was God. So I ask, just as Jesus asks, look at his words, look at what he said, and look at his works. Look at his entire body of work. And ask yourself, is he God? Because it's the most important question you will ever answer. And if you don't know Jesus, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you don't hear his voice, consider those things because it is never, ever too late. Because this is Jesus, fully man, fully God who exchanged his life for ours. He exchanged his righteousness for our sin, his righteousness for our mess. Now we get to wear his righteousness instead of our mess, and the Father, our eternal creator, sees us as he sees Jesus. 
and trusting in him. And it doesn't get any more plain than this, any more bold than this. Trusting in him means you have eternal life and that cannot, will not be taken away from you. It's a free gift. Now I'm gonna make something crystal clear right now. Just so you don't, just so you don't leave here and somebody says, hey, what do you talk about? I don't know about the last 10 minutes, but I really like the Caddyshack reference. <laughs> I, I, I want you to hear what's gonna happen. I am going to give those who are not in his flock, who can't hear his voice, an opportunity for Jesus to say, I am God. Look at what I've done. Let me rescue you. That's what I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do right now. So we're gonna pray. And in this prayer, if you have not yet trusted in Jesus, I'm gonna lead you through a prayer. We're clear on that? Okay, let's pray. Father, can't believe you call us by name. And, and, and just like sheep, we come running because we know your voice and we follow you and we trust in you. But there are those who, who, who don't know your voice, who don't follow you, who can't follow you because they can't hear your voice. I pray that you would break through right now and open their ears to what you've said and open their eyes to what you've done. If that's you and you have never trusted in Jesus and you have been running away from this merciful, awesome God, it's time. It's time to say, yeah, that, that hasn't been going well for me. But I've heard today that Jesus is Lord. So if that's you, I'm gonna lead you through a prayer right now. It's very simple. Repeat this after me in your head, not out loud. Father, I see today that Jesus is God. I see that what he has said and what he has done make it crystal clear who he is and that he came to rescue me. I wanna trust in him. I wanna follow him. I wanna come running when he calls. I wanna obey him. I believe that he is who he says he is and that you raised him from the dead. Will you save me? If that was you, our prayer team has a Bible, which is his voice. They're gonna give it to you, but I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand as high as you can raise it, and please keep it raised. It took a while to get around uh, to everybody at our first gathering. Keep it raised so our prayer team can see you. It's dark in here. They need to have their eyes, they need to let their eyes adjust to the darkness. But Jesus has just called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Thank you. It's incredible. 
He is the servant candle. He's the one that lights all the other candles for all eternity, rescuing them from the oppression of evil forever. And you have now just been rescued from the oppression of evil forever. Thank you, you can put your hands down. For those who have already trusted in Jesus, and for those that just trusted in Jesus, game on. Let's go after this. Let's live lives that show fruit. Let's live lives that don't show complacency or apathy about the church or toward the church. Let's live lives where our neighbors go, oh, there's something different about that guy or there's something different about that girl. Let's live lives of generosity. Let's live lives of unity. Let's live, let's live lives that say, Jesus has changed my life. Because you have that assurance that he cannot take that away from you. Father, we are so encouraged by just these simple, powerful verses that no one can snatch us out of your hand. We love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name, amen.